0: Hello everyone and welcome to the february fifteenth edition of the Work Comp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Folsom, attorney with the Floyd Scarin Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. A workers compensation judge has rejected a major Southern California lien claimant, Mesa Pharmacies, challenge to a labor code section forty six fifteen stay of their lien claims. Mesa Pharmacy filed its Articles of Incorporation back in 2006. A year later, Pharmacy Development Corporation sprang into existence. Both used the same pharmacy permit number and doing business as Mesa Pharmacy in Irvine, California. A man named John Garabino became involved with Mesa in late 2011 or 2012. There was a contract between his wholly owned company, Trussell's Pain Management to market Mesa's pharmaceutical services to doctors. Those doctors would then submit prescriptions to Mesa for fulfillment. According to the facts found by the work comp judge, Mesa went from a company barely squeaking by to an entity raking in hundreds of millions of dollars essentially overnight. Mesa provided expensive compounded medications to injured workers and has been a major lien claimant with millions of dollars of liens that are currently outstanding and unpaid. Garbino was ultimately charged by federal federal authorities and convicted of Medicare fraud, preventing him from participating in the workers' comp system. His association with Mesa Pharmacy was examined by the DWC and found to be sufficient to place MESA on the list of suspended providers under Labor Code Section 4615. But MESA Pharmacy challenged that decision, claiming that Mr. Garbino never held a position with MESA that would subject them to the suspension. A trial followed on the issue of whether John Garbino, who was convicted of Medicare fraud, was a 10% or greater owner a director, an officer, or had de facto control of the lien claimant Mesa Pharmacy. After taking extensive testimony and documentary evidence, the work comp judge found that Garbino indeed had de facto control of Mesa Pharmacy in the WCAB case of Melvin garcia galdams versus Vinyl Technology. The work comp judge said that, in order to be considered a corporation with an existence separate and apart from those who ran the company, there were simple steps that had to be taken. One of them, Mesa had to have a board of directors. She found that on paper it did, but the people listed on those papers weren't aware of it or admitted to being figureheads. Garbino ended up listed as an owner of Mesa with the Arizona Pharmacy Board. And while that does not prove he was an actual owner, it does show that no one was paying attention to who was being asserted by the corporation as having ownership interest in legal filings in other states. That created a strong inference that there was no actual corporate structure at Mesa, They just made it up with whatever name seemed to be the best fit at the time. Also, Mesa Board of Directors had to keep regular accounts of their dealings, but people allegedly serving on the board couldn't recall having meetings outside of an occasional vague memory. The court ordered Mesa to produce the corporate minutes, but they could not, or would not, do so. The court can and does look to whether the facts demonstrate that there was a person behind the curtain pulling on the strings. And using the words in the WCAB order, Garbino showed up, turned on the music, and Kurtz and the others waltzed into a pile of cash that stood to be made. He told them what to do and how to do it. He connected them with financiers, He supplied the pool of doctors to write the prescriptions Mesa would fill. He was the catalyst that catapulted Mesa from a corner drugstore to being in reach of nationwide chain status. Gig workers and labor unions continue their challenge to California's Proposition 22, filing a new lawsuit in a lower court as urged by the state Supreme Court which last week rejected a request for an expedited review of the case. The plaintiffs say that Prop 22, which 58% of the state's voters passed in November, and exempts companies like Uber Technologies and Lyft from a law that would require them to treat their drivers of employees is unconstitutional, they say. Among other things, they claim Prop 22 precludes gig workers' inclusion in the workers' comp system and keeps them from collective bargaining. The new lawsuit has now been filed in Alameda County Superior Court after being rejected by the California Supreme Court a few weeks ago. The plaintiffs include the SEIU California and the National SEIU Individual Drivers and a Ride-Hailing Customer. In a news release, the plaintiffs mentioned other constitutional challenges to state ballot measures that had been made over the years and acknowledged that those efforts took five to seven years to accomplish. And now our crime report. A West Los Angeles pharmacy and its owner pleaded guilty to criminal charges stemming from a scheme in which millions of dollars in reimbursements for compounded drugs were generated through the payment of illegal kickbacks for patient referrals and by illegally paying patients' co-payments. 41-year-old David Vahedi, who lives in Brentwood, pleaded guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit health care fraud and payment of illegal remunerations. Vahedi also entered a guilty plea to the felony offense on behalf of his business, Fusion RX Compounding Pharmacy. Vahedi and Fusion RX admitted to routing millions of dollars in kickback payments through the businesses of two marketers to steer prescriptions for compounded drugs to Fusion RX. As part of the scheme, Vahedi and the two marketers provided physicians with pre-printed prescription script pads that offered check-the-box options on the form to maximize the amount of insurance reimbursement for the compounded drugs. Fusion Rx received about $14 million in reimbursements on its claims for compounded drug prescriptions. As part of its contracts with various insurance networks, Fusion Rx was obligated to collect co-payments from its patients. Because the co-payments might have discouraged patients from requesting expensive and potentially unnecessary compounded drug prescriptions, Fusion Rx did not collect copayments with any regularity. And in other instances, it provided gift cards to patients to offset the amount of the copayments. A sentencing hearing is scheduled for June 28, at which time the will face a statutory maximum sentence of five years in federal prison. Both defendants have agreed to pay restitution related to the co-payment reimbursement part of the scheme, which is estimated to be more than $4,400,000. In addition to his obligation under the plea agreement to pay restitution, Vahetti also agreed to forfeit $1,338,000. was has agreed to have his pharmacist license revoked, and both Vehetti and Fusion Rx will be excluded from federal health care programs such as Medicare and Medicaid from now on. The two marketers involved in the scheme, 41 year old Joshua Pearson of St. George, Utah, and 40 year old Joseph Kiefer of West Los Angeles, previously pleaded guilty in the case, and they are also scheduled to be sentenced. The Kern County District Attorney announced the filing of an arraignment of a major felony case against a Bakersfield nurse assistant, alleging 24 felony counts related to alleged workers' compensation fraud. Prosecutors allege that Ava McLean failed to disclose and denied prior injuries she suffered when she filed her workers' compensation claims. And those alleged industrial injuries, which she said prevented her from working, did not stop her from dancing, wearing high heels, zip lining, and horseback riding. Additionally, McLean allegedly altered medical records and submitted them to her insurance company. Doctors who examined her over the years noted she showed narcotic seeking symptoms. McLean had been prescribed or asked multiple doctors to prescribe her pain medications 25 times. McLean had been in vehicle crashes in 2012 and 2017 and filed workers' compensation claims for both those accidents. However, months before the last crash, McLean had surgery on both ankles and feet to correct her flat feet. Implants were placed in both feet and the hardware put in her right foot became displaced and so she had post-op problems requiring medical leave from work and opioids for pain until August 2017. Then, when McLean made the claim regarding the subsequent 2017 auto accident, she failed to inform her insurance of any prior injuries to her feet or neck. Then, in April 2018, Bakersfield Heart Hospital gave her a final written warning for an expired basic life support certification for wearing acrylic nails and insubordination, and they let her know she would be fired for any further disciplinary actions. So the next month, McLean reported she was experiencing foot and ankle pain with no mention of this injury happening at work. But the following day, she reported neck pain to her doctor, making no mention of foot or ankle pain, and said she had injured herself at work. McLean then told her employer, the hospital, the same day that she had suffered two injuries to her back, the other to her ankle, while working at Bakersfield Heart Hospital. So she was taken off work and did not return. A co-worker later contradicted her version of events and how she suffered these alleged injuries. During examinations over the following days, and even when questioned multiple times the next year, McLean denied making any prior work comp claim, ongoing treatment, or prior injuries. It was in 2018 that McLean posted a video on social media of her dancing, horseback riding, and engaging in other physical activities with friends. Surveillance video taken of her showed she had no difficulty walking up or down stairs. McLean pleaded not guilty to the 24 felony charges. And in regulatory news, President Joe Biden nominated Julie Sue, who is now the head of California's labor agency, as the Deputy U.S. Secretary of Labor, potentially putting another Californian in a top administrative job and focusing a brighter spotlight on the state's ongoing unemployment fraud scandal. If confirmed by the Senate, Sue would be tasked with helping to lead a sprawling department that oversees laws that regulate worker standards and pay, workplace safety, workers' compensation, Unions, family and medical leave, and much more. She would work in partnership with Boston Mayor Marty Walsh, Biden's nominee for Labor Secretary, if he is confirmed. Julie Sue is currently the Secretary of the California Labor and Workforce Development Agency. Governor Gavin Newsom appointed Sue in January of 2019 to serve as his cabinet advisor on labor issues and employment programs for workers and businesses throughout California. Sue is a nationally recognized expert on workers' rights and civil rights who has dedicated her distinguished legal career to advancing justice on behalf of poor and disenfranchised communities. She is a graduate of Stanford University and Harvard Law School. California's drug formulary went into effect in 2018 and was intended to reduce frictional costs in the workers' comp system, restrict inappropriate prescribing, especially that related to opioids, and ensure that injured workers receive medically necessary medications in a timely manner. In the July 1, 2018, pure premium rate filing, the WCIRB estimated that the drug formulary would reduce pharmaceutical costs by 10%, resulting in an overall half a percent reduction in the advisory pure premium rate level. The WCIRB's initial estimate was based largely on projected reductions in the use of opioids, compounds, physician dispensed drugs, and brand name drugs when a generic alternative was available. The WCIRB has updated the cost-impact evaluation of the drug formulary, utilizing additional pharmaceutical transaction information in 2019 through the pre-pandemic period in 2020. While pharmaceutical costs have been declining sharply before the implementation of the formulary, the decline accelerated in 2018, and continued at a somewhat slower rate through 2019 and the pre-COVID-19 period in 2020. The share of pharmaceutical payments for opioids, compounds, and brand-name drugs with generic alternatives dropped sharply in 2018, and continued to drop at a similar rate in 2019 and early 2020. While the share of pharmaceutical payments for physician dispensed drugs started to increase slightly toward the end of 2019 on an annual basis, the share of payments to these drugs continued to decline during the two years of the formulary implementation. The trend in pharmaceutical costs suggests that the formulary is achieving its intended effects. However, the COVID-19 pandemic and the resultant stay-at-home orders have affected the patterns of medical treatment of California-injured workers. While elective medical services were suspended during the early weeks of the pandemic, pharmaceutical use has increased throughout the pandemic. The increases have driven the average drug payments in the system above the pre-pandemic level. Most of the increases came from non-opioid pain medications. Given that the formulary impact on drug utilization and cost may be mixed with the impact of the stay-at-home orders during the ongoing pandemic, this updated evaluation focused on the pre-COVID-19 pandemic period. The DDBC has posted an order adjusting the Physician and Non-Physician Practitioner Services section of the official medical fee schedule, effective for services after March 1, 2021. Some of the significant changes include revisions relating to evaluation and management services for office visits for new and established patients. American Medical Association's current procedural terminology, e office visit code descriptors and guidelines have been revised. The Medicare Prolonged Service Code is adopted for use in place of CPT codes for prolonged e service provided on the date of service where the level of service is selected based upon time. The order and related documents can be found at the DWC's OMFS Physician Fee Schedule webpage. The DWC has issued a Notice of Emergency Regulation re-adoption to extend current measures that allow workers' compensation claims to move forward during the COVID-19 restrictions. Emergency Regulations 46.2 and 36.7 are set to expire on March 12, 2021. This re-adoption would extend the emergency regulations for up to an additional 210 days. Re-adopting the emergency regulations will continue to help employers and injured workers move workers' compensation claims toward a resolution and avoid undue delay. These regulations provide for how a medical legal evaluation can occur and alternatives for service of required forms for a medical legal evaluation and report. QME Regulation 36.7 specifies how and under what circumstances the parties may serve documents electronically. QME Regulation 46.2 specifies how and under what circumstances QME, AME, and other evaluations may be conducted by telehealth. Upon the Office of Administrative Law approval and filing with the Secretary of State, a notice will be posted on the DWC website. Two grocery stores in Southern California will shutter in April in response to a local hero pay measure requiring a $4 an hour increase for grocery workers during the pandemic. Kroger which owns more than a dozen grocery chains, announced it would close a pair of Long Beach stores, a Ralph's, and a Food for Less, specifically citing the ordinance the city's mayor signed into law late last month. The city was the first in the state to introduce a measure requiring some grocery retailers to give workers a temporary hourly pay bump during the pandemic. Kroger's move to close the stores comes amid growing momentum for similar hazard pay policies in cities across the state, as well as elsewhere in the country. The Oakland City Council and the Los Angeles City Council just voted unanimously to mandate temporary $5 per hour pay increases for some grocery workers within their jurisdiction. The Long Beach policy is in place for 120 days, and it includes groceries that sell at least 70% food products, and employ more than 300 people nationally, with at least 15 employees per store. Under those terms, it may exclude retailers like Walmart. The Long Beach Councilwoman who sponsored the measure said she was incredibly disappointed in Kroger's move to close the stores. She said the closures will also have an impact on the communities they serve, noting that Food for Less serves many low-income residents in the area. Experts and groups on both sides of the hazard pay debate are worried that Kroger's decision could signal a broader response. A fellow at the Brookings Institution who studies frontline workers said, It was notable that Croker's is closing two stores in the first city in California to introduce such a mandate. She thinks it is meant to signal that more Croker's would close if this is expanded. The president of the California Grocers Association, a trade group which filed a lawsuit over the Long Beach Ordinance, said the group tried to warn the city about unintended consequences of the measure. The group announced that it would also file lawsuits against Oakland and the City of Montebello to challenge similar $5 an hour hazard pay measures. The California Division of Workers' Compensation announced dates for its 28th Annual Education Conference. The conference will take place on a virtual platform from March 24th through the 26th, 2021. Sessions will also be available to view on demand through April 9, 2021 for registered participants. This annual event is the largest workers' compensation training in the state and allows claims administrators, attorneys, medical providers, return-to-work specialists, employers, human resource specialists, and others to learn firsthand about the most recent developments in the system. Speakers from the Division of Workers' Comp and the private sector will address pertinent topics. The DWC has applied for continuing education credits by attorney, rehabilitation counselor, case manager, disability management, human resource, and qualified medical examiner certifying organizations, among others. So that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates for past editions of our news, and much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, or your Android device for searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. And we also publish our daily news, our podcast, and other utilities on our free WorkCompApps.com smartphone app. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Skarin, manoukian and Langevin. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news.